0: Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining me this evening in the locker room for the 15th episode in the Conversation with Alan series. I'm Alan Locker. I created Conversations with Alan to have open and honest discussions about the rise of hate and the rise of anti-Semitism, with high hopes that it leads to conversations that make us all think about our place in history and what we can do to change our country's course to stop hate in all its forms. Tonight, Jane Clemente joins me to share memories of her son, Tyler, to discuss National Bullying Prevention Month and tell us about the Tyler Clemente Foundation's upcoming Upstander Legacy Gala on Thursday, October 20th. Jane co-founded the foundation to make sure that society learns the consequences of discrimination and bullying as she learned all too personally through the loss of her son, Tyler. At the young age of 18, he became the target of cyberbullying and ended his too short life in 2010 the mission of the foundation is to end all online and offline bullying in schools workplaces and faith communities through educational research legislative advocacy and awareness programming Jane's desire is to change hearts and minds because everyone should be allowed to live and thrive in an environment that is free of harassment intimidation and humiliation her hope is to ignite a culture shift where all people will experience kindness, respect, and consideration. She has spoken before the US Congressional Health Committee at the National Cathedral, the Federal Reserve Bank, the NYC uh, Prosecutor's Office, today at Mercer College, as well as n- numerous other conferences. It is truly my pleasure to welcome to the locker room, Jane Clementi. Hi, Jane. Hi, Alan, how are you? I'm well, thank you. Thank you so much for spending this time with me today. I really, you know, I really appreciate it. Um, And really, you know, uh, to share the great work you're doing at the foundation, I can tell you personally, as a gay man who grew up and now lives back in his home state of New Jersey, Tyler's story definitely hit me uh, incredibly hard. And I know, you know, not just me, but the world was affected by the bullying he received and had to endure, and the tragic loss your family suffered. So, thank you for you know just sharing his story and and keeping him alive, really, through this the work that you do.
1: Well, thank you, and thank you for inviting us to share the work that's being done in his name. It, I greatly appreciate it. Thanks so much.
0: I, I appreciate that. Um, you know, I'm curious if you think back, what was your life? You know, how would you describe your life before September 22nd of that year? Um, it's it's hard to even get past that big
1: chasm in my life. But I, I think we were a very ordinary family, a very private family. Um, I don't think we were very unusual from our neighbors um, and mm. the other uh, folks that our kids went to school with. Um, and it was... Um, Certainly very blissful. I often think about how there certainly there were some bumps in the road, um, every family, every everyone has it, but there was nothing that really stands out as being unique or horrific. Um, everything was, felt like it was in our control, like in, that we, we were in control of ourselves. And then all of a sudden we were not in control any longer.
0: I bet, I bet. Tell us about Tyler. Hmm.
1: So he was my third child, my third son. Um, He was very um, energetic in that he loved to explore. He liked to create um, objects. He was very creative. He also liked to put things together and and, From when he was very little, to you know, Legos and blocks, to becoming very helpful when he could put together all the IKEA furniture that we bought for the basement. (laughs) Very, very good. There were lots of positives to to being uh, uh, able to put things together. Um, He certainly um, was gifted musically. He had a passion for music. He his instrument of choice so to speak it was his violin he did dabble with the piano a little bit and anything else in the house that made noise he loved to make noise i think not necessarily shouting or anything but just you know playing um the recorder the harp the you know toys when he was little he liked to make make a sound and had a presence. And as I said, he was a gifted violinist. And I guess that's a prideful mom, maybe speaking, but he did when he went to Rutgers, um, he did audition for a chair, because when you join an orchestra, they don't just seat you. You audition for a chair for a spot in the orchestra. And when he auditioned for the undergraduate orchestra, he actually was accepted into the graduate school orchestra as a freshman, only two freshmen were accepted into the graduate school orchestra. um, And he was one of them. So I think that speaks to his abilities and talents and gifts. Um,
0: So he was very gifted. Do you have um, performances that you're able to listen to or watch? I do have some, but I'm not really able to watch them personally. Okay, Okay. I can totally understand. How did music enter, enter his world?
1: Um, you know, it was sort of a natural for him, but he, um, his next older brother, his middle brother, took a music course one summer um, in percussion, not violin, but in percussion to switch instruments, and there was a recital at the end, and he saw um, younger students, he was in second he was just finishing first grade going into second grade in that summer and he saw even 4 year olds and 3 year olds and 5 year olds playing suzuki violin it's a method of learning how to play violin and he saw them and he said i want to do that i can do that that's what i want to do and um he didn't get to i couldn't sign him up in september because the class was full but he persevered and the next summer he still wanted to do it and that's when he started. So he was actually a, a, a an old man in the class. He, and there was one other, someone his age, they were going into third grade and they were the oldest in the class. They, they wow. were the grandparents in the class, so, so to speak. So
0: yeah. It's incredible that he started so young. I love that. That's why he was so good and got into the graduate uh, orchestra. So a week from today, Tuesday, October 11th, is National Coming Out Day. And I know Tyler came out to you uh, shortly before he started going to Rutgers. W- what do you recall about him sharing that part of his life with you?
1: Yeah, that was um, a, a a night I will always remember. Um, don't like to, but I do. He um, had been; it was late into the night and it was just Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Two days before leaving for Rutgers. um, And he came up from the basement from watching sitcoms. I think he liked to watch Friends late at night, like at 11 o'clock. And The Nanny was on um, at that time. And a couple of those other kinds of sitcoms then. And he came up and he was actually in tears and very upset. Um, And I was in tears, not knowing even what he was going to tell me. But unfortunately, I was shocked when he told me, which is really interesting. I suppose I can probably uh, relate to parents who are surprised. And I can also relate to parents who are very much aware and waiting for their child to come out because... Tyler is my youngest of three sons, but I also have an older son, and he also is gay. And I was waiting for, for James to come out and even processing that with Tyler in the summer. So I'm not so sure why I was so shocked when Tyler came out, but I was surprised. Hmm. And I wasn't prepared in my in my thoughts.
0: Well, I, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's interesting. You, you know, you expected... Uh, your other son, as you said, and, and maybe just, I, I don't know that parents, all of us, even us who are gay, you know, always will expect that there might be another sibling in the family. Oftentimes
1: who, there is. I know. I, right.
0: Oftentimes. At those ages, I don't, you know, and, you know, I, I think we all are learning that more and more now that people are open with those conversations. But at that time, and even when I grew up, like I, I don't know that parents would expect that because there weren't conversations. There weren't things on television that uh, enlightened us to this.
1: Right. In 2010, it was not a a conversation, at least not in the circles I traveled in. And of course some of those circles were extremely conservative religious circles. So obviously Mm -hmm. that wouldn't be talked about, but Mm -hmm. even with siblings, parents of um, friends of my children, Mm -hmm. it wasn't really talked about and certainly it wasn't on tv like it is today which is wonderful or in books which is even better which is why i can't wrap my head around why people would want books banned um and not only books that talk about lgbtq community or inclusion or but other books that have great messages but they're being banned as well which is really sad very very sad
0: Sad. It, it, absolutely. We, we learn from all of this. You know, I know you feel so differently today. You know, if there's somebody watching, you know, what would your message be today to other parents on the rece- receiving end of that news?
1: Well, for someone who was in my position who knew, I would say, go get more research. <laughs> like I knew my one son, why didn't I pursue getting more information? I did have leeway. I did have time and I didn't pursue it. It's busy in my day-to-day life, but certainly um, I would be telling the parents that they, or I would love to tell parents, your child is who your child is, um, who you loved yesterday and who you still love today after they've come out to you, um, and to make sure you show them that love. Um, I certainly told Tyler I loved him, but he came to me crying, so I left crying and he was happy afterwards it was like he gave his tears to me at that point and i didn't even understand why um that i would also share with youth to give your parents a little bit of time and i've heard this from from um younger people part of the lgbtq community too that they've realized they had time to learn who they were and to come to peace with who they were some people easier than others especially within religious dogma communities, Mm -hmm. I've heard some people struggle greatly to accept who they are. Um, So you've had time to accept yourself. Give your parents a minute, too, because you hear all these wonderful stories from the minute that you've been told um, that the response of a parent is wonderful. And there certainly are. But for every one of those stories, I think there's the opposite of shock or there's the opposite of not knowing what to say or how to react. Um, so to react with a smile and a hug and a big kiss is my response. Not always happen, able to happen, but that's the goal. And I think that happens more today than again in 2010 or earlier.
0: I, I agree, completely agree. And just saying it is helpful to somebody, you know, just so a parent or even the child hears you say that, you know, knowing what you've experienced. I know um, I heard you in a recent interview, you talked about moving recently and and finding some of Tyler's writings. What did you learn about, you know, sort of his struggle, you know, when you found those?
1: I learned that his struggle was deeper and more than just the couple of days that he spent at Rutgers University. I mean, certainly the issue that happened at Rutgers was a tipping point for him, but he definitely was struggling at moments and he did document um, feelings of sadness, feelings of anger, feelings of despair. Um, No, it wasn't overwhelming as my therapist has been telling me. It's not like he wrote about it every day, because he didn't, it was just really a few entries. But in hindsight, looking back at those handful of entries, maybe maybe 10 or 12, maybe entries, um, life must have been very sad for Tyler at that, those moments uh, amid time. And, and that is horrible and difficult to bear in hindsight, looking back on that. And I did write about it. So there are, there's one, uh, we have some letters of affirmation because some of our anti-bullying work is in the space of faith communities. Because as you said, Mm -hmm. our mission is to end online and offline bullying in schools, workplaces, and faith communities. And we feel that um, looking back in hindsight, Tyler heard messages Infrequent as they were, but he did hear messages from the pulpit. And he also, what I've learned afterwards, finding those papers, was he learned messages and heard messages in Sunday school or youth group as well that he attended, um, which I was not even aware of. Um, So, again, can't be everywhere. But again, why doesn't a mother know? That's the guilt a mother carries. Uh, I
0: I can't even imagine you know, what you, you know, feel when you find those and read that and, um, the difficulty in, 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 in sort of hearing that pain.
1: Yes. So as I said, we, we write, we were working in faith communities. And a few years ago, we asked for people to write letters of, of, we call them letters of affirmation. We were reaching out to, um, leaders and ministers of the Southern Baptist Conference, because they have a very unaccepting stance on LGBTQ inclusion um, and and love. And we wanted them to see the harm, the great harm that was being done. So we had um, some parents, some pastors, some gay pastors, some straight pastors, pastors who changed their, um, their own personal theology, um, and, and also we had a, like a seminary student. We have some very well-known people that are very well-known in this um, work and some unknown people write letters. And I have penned, actually, I penned three letters as well. And the second letter includes some of those, um, a little bit about finding those pages in his journal.
0: Is that on the Website. website. Yep, it's it
1: on the title under True Faith Doesn't Bully, under on letter, um, Letters of Affirmation. And then they're all listed there because we not only wanted to send these letters to the pastors, we wanted to make them public because we wanted to be a source of hope. For a young person looking for hope, or maybe even a parent, because we had some parents, and maybe who knows, maybe even a pastor that's looking for resources. sources. So it's from all the different perspectives, and they're all up there on our website.
0: That's incredible. That's I, I love that, and I will go there um, to read those. I'm curious, you know, because the work you do helps people in in, in so many ways, and. Yeah, you know, grieving is such a personal and difficult process. What might you share that might help somebody else going through a similar loss?
1: That's difficult to say, because I do think everyone grieves differently. Uh, I think, as you just mentioned, I know things that people said to me out of love and I think they thought were helpful. Sometimes was not very helpful. Um, just as you, you um, Asked about whether I watch videos of Tyler or mm-hmm. pictures, um, initially I actually took all the photos out of my living room and and public, and home, um, and I did it of not only Tyler but my other children as well. It was like I just didn't want to see back into my past. It was. It just brought up feelings of pain and loss. It was like, that was a good time. This is not a good time. I, I mean, I don't know. And I thought I was unique because of many people I knew grieved, and put up like a mausoleum of pictures all around. them. Um, but I've found many others like myself who see the picture and just see the pain and don't can't get beyond that chasm to the good moments and there were many many good moments we had as a family I had with Tyler individually I'm sure that my other children had with him but um, I just couldn't get past that so um, you know I, I some of the things that I found helpful was journaling was super helpful because I could get my pain and whatever I was feeling which was different on a any given day from pain to anger, to trying to forget and deny what was happening um, in a strange world. Like this is a dream, you know, I'm not, I'm just going to wake up from this one day and it's, I'm going to have my life back, you know, but it doesn't happen that way. Um, So uh, that I found extremely helpful. And actually I was someone who, who was, had a faith, but I didn't really know what my faith really was. I wasn't as deep in my faith. And um, for me, um, seeking God and prayer helped a lot. Um, and um, now I feel much deeper in my faith, um, much further along in my journey and know why I believe what I believe and being grateful and having gratitude. I saw learned that through my spiritual journey. Um, and I think having uh, gratitude in your life is good because no matter what, there's always something to be grateful for, even if it's just a cup of coffee when you need it, or, you know, on a small scale, it doesn't have to be big. It just has to be understanding and seeing and identifying, calling out things that you are grateful for.
0: Hmm. I I've started to try to incorporate that. I, I because I hear a lot of people talk about the gratitude. So uh, I'm glad you, you said it because I I am starting to you know just feel that I think and I yeah. think it's a good thing to feel.
1: And 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 it's it is a good um good place to be and that's something I learned in those dark moments and then and then now I do see that there is like a movement like you said so
0: yeah that's <laughs> it's what it feels like. it,
1: you know or, or I could see for me like almost got at work like with timing like just when I needed something it mm. you know and it wasn't maybe what I thought I needed but I as it was happening it was like oh that's is that's giving me some peace or that that is being very helpful to me right now Um, i used to call it uh god moments or god instances but then i now call it serendipitous because i know some people are a little opposed to the word god Hmm. with, with the divine because they don't necessarily embrace that philosophy of a divine person
0: True. You you know, um, you really have been um, very open about the dark place that his death took you in, and that you considered suicide yourself. Uh, was journaling what pulled you out of it and faith or other things as well?
1: You know, some other people have
0: asked me that. I'm not exactly sure
1: what had pulled me out. I also... Had mental health counseling throughout. Um, I was fortunate to um, have easy access to that. Someone was there that offered, and all I had to say was yes. And in those really dark early moments, just saying yes was enough or hard enough or all I could do. Um, um, so-
0: hearing you say that and putting that out there and saying, you know, we have to get more people to say yes.
1: Yeah, it's just about saying yes. And I mean, our, our my first sessions obviously were very slow and quiet because I, I, I couldn't think, I couldn't formate, formate mm-hmm. words. And I I guess looking back, even not to those early, early moments, but because we didn't really go public with anything and for a good year. Um, I think our first interview was in December of 2011. Um, but even I see that, I, I, I don't see any... Any like life in my picture or in my voice? It was like monotone and slow and disjointed, sort of almost. So mm-hmm. it was. It's hard to see myself even even a year or two after Tyler's death. Um, so I don't really know the exact moment because every day was a struggle for a while. The pain was very unbearable, um, but I do know. Um something was 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 well, what I do know is that I was uncertain. I always had doubts, like I couldn't even make up my mind about simple things. Like we go out to lunch, say, and it was like, Well, what should I eat on the menu? I just couldn't I just could not fathom that. So I knew that I had this uncertainty. So To maybe just take that last step was uncertain. Where one of the things with Tyler is he was a very determined person. He would make up his mind and he would, you know, do it. You know, he decided he, you know, like in middle school, he liked um, hermit crabs or wanted a hermit crab. We were down the shore. And he just made sure he figured out how to do it, what he needed. You know, he was just determined. And maybe my personality is that I'm not a determined person or a,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, a, a decisive person. That's probably more the word decisive. Um, but I don't know. Maybe my maybe my faith, maybe journaling, maybe the prayers of others, maybe, um, maybe it just wasn't meant to be. I'm not sure.
0: Mm-hmm. And I, you, you've also talked about that you had many people to forgive before you even got to the roommate who started this all. Can you, like, who, who are you referencing when you say that?
1: Yes, I do say that. I was just talking about that yesterday at Mercer Community College. Um, I, I, First and foremost, I suppose I had to forgive Tyler for harming himself. And for not reaching out to us or telling us what was happening, um, at, at somewhere along the, the path. And it, again, it's like waves; it's not all at first. Um, I I was angry that he did what he did, and why didn't he tell us? Um, and then, of course, why didn't I know? You know, why didn't I know it was happening? Why didn't I listen harder? Why didn't I see? Um some of the things that were happening or ex- he was experienced saying so he he never appeared sad when he was at home prior to this. He always woke up with this big smile on his face um, and very excited for the day and I just was interpreting that as a a means of, um, you know, this is going to be a great day, this is who I am and I'm upbeat, but you know, I learned that he learned to hide. His sexual orientation from me, and maybe he was hiding his emotional stat status as well, you know, from everyone, from from the world, from from the family. But when I internalize it, it's to, from me, you know, to me. Um, and why didn't I see that? So I had to forgive myself. Still working on that sometimes. So, but you know, that's a part process. And as a person of faith, and I was, you know, I had to decide: Do I do I abandon my, my, my faith, my, 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 you know, Mm -hmm. my love for God or whatever, or do I, um, find out how I can love my children in this? Because even after Tyler died, I still had my older son who was gay and I, couldn't let somebody harm him. So where where do I go with this? <laughs> There's a lot to hold here. So I had to forgive God too. Um, because why did he let this happen to Tyler? Why was this extra burden placed on Tyler? And was he gonna was he God um placing this on James? You know, so I had to forgive myself, I had to forgive Tyler. I think I had to forgive God in some sense, and then of course. Darun comes in there somewhere low, very low on the totem pole.
0: I understood it understood. Um, the year after you and your husband created the foundation, what, you know, I, I, I'm sure you had to be impacted by the impact Tyler's death had around the world. Um, what was the driving force to create the foundation in 2011?
1: Yes. And, and that's like an iffy date too, because again, things were moving and yet they weren't moving is like being on a treadmill (laughs) with, with In fog, it's not
0: going anywhere.
1: (laughs) Technically, my Joe brought it to my attention that we incorporated in the fall of 2010, and I insisted no. But then he showed me the paperwork, and in fact, we did (laughs) because I didn't think anything was. But I mean, the media was out there, we did have a huge media attention. I don't think I was seeing it at the time. Joe was probably more aware of it. Um, and, And Joe and James and Brian, my other two sons, were probably more bothered by it because they were leaving the house through hordes of people. I mean, you don't get that media attention without having an encampment around your house. But I just stopped functioning and I just was home. And people were coming to us. We were, our home was filled with people who were loving and supporting on us. So I wasn't like alone, um, but I wasn't seeing that media, you know, like the shades were pulled eventually because they were just zooming in on our living room. And that was not pleasing to anyone, I suppose. Um, But Joe came to me with the idea, why don't we form a foundation and I. Actually, at the time, I was a very Debbie Downer. I was like, "No, what do, what do we? What, what would? What could we possibly make the foundation about?" <laughs> I just couldn't see beyond my grief, beyond my loss. Um, I didn't see the issues, and a lot of the things were coming to us after and in piecemeals too. But we did start the process to start a foundation without knowing purpose. Um, because of the media attention um, finally um, in the in, in the following year for his anniversary for the anniversary of his death we we were like well what are we going to do are we going to do something or not although it was still not functioning very well um, but we did start a, a website a very basic website and in like october in november we decided we would do some Um, Mm -hmm. interviews finally if people were interested still a year later a year and three months later and we did we started our first interviews uh did a few interviews in december um we still did not have anything to offer anyone (laughs) uh, as far as what we were gonna what our mission was Mm -hmm. um and we we fortunately in February of 2012, or because of the interviews, we had someone reach out to us and invite us to the HRC dinner in New York City, which is in February of 2012. And the person was persistent because we weren't looking at our website. We kind of put it up and Lana left it, but reached out through my cousin, who was one of the third co-founders. And um, I read it and I'm like, yeah, we should probably go to this Joe, take care of it, my ex-husband. <laughs> and um, so we went to the HRC dinner, and we became good friends with someone who invited us. And that person um, helped us to find a part-time executive director in June of 2012. And thanks to Paul, who Paul Baskin, who did um, help us. Uh, get the part-time executive director, which was Stephen Guy. Um, We then got started and he, Stephen Guy, um, brought together some major um, leaders in the field of suicide prevention, LGBTQ issues, anti-bullying issues. And we had what we called a kitchen table and everyone talked about what they did and where they saw holes in the system and where they thought we could, you know, Mm -hmm. where we would be best and where we want it to be. Then Joe and I and Steven discussed um, where we would, where we should go. And we saw in 2012, this is a huge hole in the anti-bullying movement. Now there's a lot of organizations talking about it, but we did not see many people talking about it at that point. Um, We thought that um, equality, HRC had a big handle on on LGBTQ issues. Glad, Listen, P Flag. So we didn't think we'd have that much to add in there. That it was well well covered. And I did not like that S word at first. I did not like to say suicide. I didn't want to talk about suicide. I just. So I really shied away from it, but we have the American Foundation of Suicide Prevention. There's Jed Foundation there. There were many big organizations working in suicide prevention, um, Trevor Project. So um, I was glad not to deal with that. Mm -hmm. Um, We thought we could be further upstream and prevent those issues by dealing with bullying. And I really didn't think we'd be 12 years later or 10 years later from 2012, still needing um, LGBTQ issues and rights you know I thought this will be all news by 2022 it's so not
0: we, we might need it more sadly yeah. we yeah. might need we, we might need it more um and, and I mean it's the perfect mission really because of T- Tyler being targeted and I've heard you describe the circumstances around that that bullying that he was targeted by his freshman year roommate for his sexual orientation. Is targeting usually the, you know, is that, you know, we're all bullied. I mean, I've been, you know, in in school, but is, do we see it as most kids are targeted?
1: Well, I think when I I was learning about bullying, I was learning that there was somebody called the bully and somebody called the victim. And I didn't like those two terms (laughs) because A, if you label someone a bully, then it's harder to change their behavior. And I'm all about changing behavior. I don't think people are born evil or intend to be evil. I think they learn it. And I think they also have maybe a little bit of inbred selfishness and they want to be more um socially connected or move up that social ladder or something to that effect. But I don't think that people truly are evil. And I don't want to label someone something because when it, you label something, then you are harder to change your behavior. As well as the fact that oftentimes I've learned that someone who is targeted sometimes then becomes the aggressor because they don't want to be the target anymore, you know, and, um, they, they flip I, the table,
0: right? They flip yeah, the table.
1: Yeah. If, if you're stronger then you're not going to be, um, abused or harassed or humiliated. And as well, and as well, also with the term, um, victim, it, 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 it takes away your power and you're not powerless. You just happen to be targeted by their bullying behavior and you're targeted by their behavior. So that's my rationalization to talk about. People with those terms, you know, talking about their behavior—that they are targeted by somebody. It's not that they're powerless. Um, they might not like it, and it might leave lasting scars. But it's it's not some, It is something that you can you can change, and you you need to um, talk about it. You need to report it. And also, there's I learned it, learning about bullying um, is that there's oftentimes a third component to that scenario. It's not just the aggressor or the, the target. There's off, oftentimes bystanders. And that's one of our key, key messages. Our first and foremost and closest to my heart is um, turning those passive bystanders into active upstanders. Um, because we saw there were lots of people seeing from the earliest moments when we were learning about what happened to Tyler at Rutgers. We saw that there were lots of people that saw what was happening. And no one, to our knowledge, reported it and no one to our knowledge reached out to Tyler um, and no one seemed to stop it. Um, So I'm really passionate about turning those passive bystanders into active upstanders, by, but safely, you know, and that's why we, especially with youth, give them multiple ways of how they can become upstanders, uh, either by intervening um, safely, by either interrupting the situation if they feel comfortable or if they know the people that are present, Um, Or even just walking the targeted person away, you know, take them to the library, take them to the nurse, escort them to the um, this, this, you know, guidance counselor or someone safe. Mm -hmm. And because that's the second step is if you can't interrupt safely or if it doesn't change the behavior, report the behavior because it's not tattling on someone if you're trying to keep someone safe. Um, I know a lot of people would be concerned about outing someone, but there are trusted adults in, in, almost every school and you need to find them and know who they are and if you see a situation um, especially if the person being targeted is it's because they're gay but there's many other reasons sometimes it's body shaming sometimes it's because of religion sometimes it's because of being too smart or not being smart enough you know there's many many reasons youth are bullied but being part of the lgbtq community is one of the number one reasons almost on every research I've seen um, it, yeah. it is part of that. Um, so there's three steps: interrupting, reporting, and then the third step, which I think would have had a huge impact in Tyler, is someone to re- reach out to the person being targeted. Make sure they know that they're not alone. Make sure they know who their resources are. And I, like I said, maybe even walk with them to the school nurse or to the teacher, or you know, go with them. That you know, especially if it's a youth. But, you know, we can all be upstanders, even because bullying doesn't magically disappear when someone turns 18. It continues on into life unless we can identify the behavior. So, you know, like do it in the workplace, as well as as an adult, um, get yourself out to the voting polls and vote. That's the means of being an upstander, I think, because you have to make sure that people are uh, in power and in in politics that... Will to protect yourself and your loved ones, you know, and, and
0: who who th- they themselves are not a bully, right, right. Because currently we have a lot of bullies in politics.
1: We do, and 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 and, and it's not even. I, I think it reached a, a really high peak recently. <laughs> but, you know, even since I was young, people have, um, you know, are too busy putting other people down <laughs> to tell you what they truly believe, you know, and what they're going to do for you. But that's the kind of political leaders I want. I want someone who's going to say, I'm going to make sure that women have the right over their body. I want a leader that's going to say for sure that they're going to protect my Son and his husband, and that they're going to have rights to not only marry but also to adopt if they so want to, and to health care and to housing. I want to make sure that those um, leaders do, you know, will do those things. So get out there and make sure that they're not banning the books that students read. Um, because for me, I, I, part of an anti-bullying organization, the best way to make people aware of what's happening is to read stories, you know, and and to show people that people are people and we all want to belong and we all want to feel loved and we all want to have community. Um, And if we all want that, it's you know, we have these nice yellow bracelets and they're yellow for the golden rule. Do to others as you'd have them do to you. Something Tyler didn't receive, but we want everyone else to receive it. So get out and vote. I love
0: that. Well, I I think of, you know, I'm not only gay, I am the son of two Holocaust survivors, Mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, people want to ban books about LGBTQ. People want to ban books about Holocaust and racism. It's ridiculous. I mean, we 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 learn from the past and, you know, there's so many kids who don't know about the Holocaust or don't know about 9-11 or, you know, it's like, yeah, I mean. It's disturbing that that's the mission.
1: Well, that... And the racial riots and the, and the racial injustices that happen and still happen. But it was so
0: obvious. Um... During the George Floyd. Yeah. Yeah. Um, tell, tell us, which you just described, but I know uh, the foundation does a lot during this month. October is National Bullying Prevention Month. You know, if you could just elaborate a little more on the foundation's work during this particular month.
1: So we do try to get our messaging out, being about being an upstander, and we actually also um, in, um, enlarged our, our our programming about upstanders by creating what we call a day one initiative, mm-hmm. and, and that's exactly. toolkits that we um, can um, that can be read in various. In, communities. One is schools, and we have that broken down into ages. Um, also for sports teams, we also have it for workplaces, and we also have it for two religious groups right now, for um, Christian and Judaism, and there's two for Judaism. There's an A and a B because of different wording of the divine. Some wanted it one way, some wanted it another way. Our board chair wanted it one way, and some of the rabbis we talked with wanted it another. Way. So we did two <laughs> you know? So, um, so we we really want to create um, day one um, schools and workplaces. Um, the school and what it is, what day one is, is a research-based initiative where a leader in an organization or a community stands up on the very first day and declares that this is a very a safe space and that no one will be targeted or humiliated here because of what makes them different, whether it's their religion, their race, their or sexual orientation, their gender, their body shape, and calling out all the differences because just saying be kind doesn't often you know, cover it, you know, what what does that mean? Um, I'm being kind, but I just won't let this person join me because they're too thin or they're too heavy, right? But, you know, by calling out all the differences, that's what's really important. And getting acknowledgement back from from the group saying, yes, we're going to agree to this. Because having people hear it, and verbally accept it helps to change the mindset. It's not a magic wand, obviously it needs to be repeated and it needs to have the behavior called out. So like if someone is using homophobic words or racial slurs, calling it out and saying, remember on the first day we said, we're not gonna use those words in this community. Everyone is welcome here. I just think it would have had a huge impact on Tyler. Um, feeling welcomed and included, because after all, who doesn't want to feel that way? Um, but it also sets boundaries clearly. So I think it would have had an impact on the roommate saying, oh, yeah, we're not allowed to set up cameras. You know, that, that's not right. It's not fun. It's not right to make fun of someone because of their sexual orientation. Um, and in my heart, I do believe that he did what he did because of Tyler's sexual orientation. So, right. so we're very busy promoting that. As you said, we also are doing our gala on October 20th. Thank I'm you. Perfect. So we Thank are honoring know. George Takei. He'll be in the room. So if you're a Trekkie fan, anybody out there, please come. We're also honoring um, Warner Brothers Discovery. Mm-hmm. And they'll be present to receive their award. Um, Dennis Williams is the recipient um, who will receive it from for them. Um, and we also um, have, we'll have some entertainment. We'll have some silent auction items. It's an open bar. It's a fun night for all. Come, come yeah. join us.
0: <laughs> How many, us. what year is this for the gala? Uh,
1: well, we did our first gala in 2012, but then 2019 was the last one we met in person. We did something oh, so first one back. Yes, this is the first one back since 2019. We did do some things online in 2020. Uh, we tried to do a panel discussion um, with a couple of the cast members from Queer as Folk, mm-hmm. because one of the cast members, Scott Lowell, is on our board, and he'll be in the room, too, if you're a Queer as Folk um, fan. And he, um, he's helping us greatly. Um, but it, it's not it's not the same as a in-person event so yeah, this is the first absolutely. one back in i mean it was great and they helped us greatly and we're very thankful for them but this is this this will be fun in person so i hope to see lots of our new york city and new jersey friends we do get some people that have followed us and come from california or north carolina sometimes so that right. i don't know if they'll do that since since the covid break but it should be good
0: well, you know, like I said, I mean Tyler's death impacted people around the globe for sure. Um, what are you most you know looking now back at ten years of the foundation, basically? What are you most proud of
1: um, i I really like our upstander pledge, and I'm really glad that it, we're getting that out. We reached a million upstanders um in twenty 20 I believe um, somewhere in the like in the summer of 2020 um, we re- reached a million people with that um, with our pledge and and I think that that's really great I, I'm really happy with our work we also have a youth ambassador program um, and so we reach um, high school age we've been doing it for high school age for the last five or six years, and it's always been on Zoom because it's we've always had applications from all over the country, and it was always done with a monthly meeting, um, a group meeting, and then individuals, um, meetings with our um, coordinator uh, right now, but we were actually going to be moving it into middle school age grades as well this coming January, our year goes January to January for that program. And we're also hoping to move it into colleges too, because some of the, the um, youth ambassadors that we've had wanna continue doing you know capstone projects and working in the college environments that they've moved into. So we're excited about moving forward with that. And, and I think- awesome That's that
0: they wanna continue the work. Yeah. I love that. And I wanted to say the Upstander uh, Gala link is up on the website for YouTube so folks can find it there as well. Oh, and perfect. So they can absolutely. I saw you know, a beautiful message on your website um, about true faith doesn't bully. Tell me about that message. I'm not sure I
1: know which one you're talking about.
0: <laughs> it's, a, it's a. It was a card that says basically... That there, um, we're, you're not being bullied by your faith. True faith um,
1: does not bully, right?
0: Does yeah. not bully, right? If you have true,
1: true faith, it's not a, a form of bullying. But yet, unfortunately, many organized religions do um, bully because bullying is um, unwanted aggressive power where there's a power imbalance um, and. Certainly someone standing up in the front of the room or the, um, behind a pulpit um, spewing words that somebody is broken or less than or somehow separated from God it is a form of bullying. You know, we know so much more now in the. What are we in the twenty third, twenty second
0: century?
1: <laughs> yeah. century we're in,
0: we do. We, we do uh, know. 21st a lot century, more. We know
1: so much more uh, than we did in the first century, um, and we know more. There's been medical research and psychological research about the impacts of homophobia, and we we have to stop preaching that from the pulpit. Um, and certainly. Uh, 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 someone in their 20s or 30s or 40s, a professional paid person uh, speaking negatively and is extremely harmful to the youth sitting in the in the pews. Um, and that's a form of bullying, in my opinion, um, using that power imbalance with unwanted uh, aggressive words. Um, words hurt, words have impact, and we have to know that. And we have to open our eyes, you know, th- this is nothing new. Um, for God, he's not shocked by the research that we have, and we're not making it up. We know, we know um, Trevor has done some great research projects, on HRC, um, also the Family Acceptance Project. Um, uh, Caitlin Ryan has wonderful research showing that a family that it loves and supports their youth um, are much less likely than, than their straight peers to die by suicide or have suicidal ideations, suicidal ideations, not die. Um, so um, yes, so let's open up our eyes and use what knowledge we have and use it to love. Cause isn't, I think all religions if I'm not mistaken are based on love. So let's love and love doesn't hurt somebody. Love doesn't harm someone.
0: Love makes the world go round. Yeah, right. It really, it really does. My last question, I know you get to work with James at the foundation. What's up? Like? Yes. What's that like for you?
1: It's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> do you know James by the way?
0: No, no. I, I met that's how I was introduced to you, but no, I, I saw James out. But no, like, no, I mean just you it know, having happen. the opportunity to work with your son. I you do, know.
1: and and I think that was wonderful. And we worked much more closely together for the foundation early on as I got started and that was extremely helpful for me for my healing. Um, And it was, he, he knew me like, okay, so you're really bad at names. So I'll whisper the name of this person to you because he has a really good memory. (laughs) Um, So, so so it was really nice to have that. Um, He unfortunately does not really work full time with us any longer. He is a part-time employee um, and he provides us mental health um, resources and a blog monthly with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine but we're just going to circle up here a
0: while and uh, get lucky no no nothing like that it's just these cash prizes add up quick so I suggest you sit back keep your tray table upright and start getting lucky Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Uh, oh, okay. it, so mental health content, because he went back to school, um, to teachers college and became a mental health therapist. So he is in private practice in Manhattan and he does that as his full-time job and he just supplements and helps us. Um, And I'm wonderful. thankful for what he does offer us. And I'm really happy as a mom that he's very happy and content with what he's doing and very good at it, I think. And and
0: helping others. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm sure this tragedy has helped. You know, now he's putting that, to a good, positive, you know, right. moving it forward. You it's know? all
1: about turning something terrible into something good and making uh, sure no one else, you know, suffers that same pain and shame. And then James can help people process whatever they're going through and, and, and come out with tools and equip them to live really happy, wonderful lives. I hope it all works for everyone. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. Jane, thank you really for spending this time with me. Thank you for, you know, being so open and honest because I do think it's, you know, helping a lot of other people.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me. And I, like I said, go to tylerclinney.org and come to our gala. I look forward to seeing. And take
0: the upstander pledge.
1: Yes. And take the upstander pledge. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you.
0: Bye, Jane. Thank you so much. Thanks, everybody, for watching today. Um, Tyler Clemente's death changed the way we look at bullying. Don't be a bystander. Please visit the tylerclementi.org website. Take the upstander pledge today. And if you're in New York City and want to attend the Legacy Celebration, visit the website to purchase tickets or consider making a donation to the foundation. As I leave you today, remember, we all have choices to make in life. Speak up and do the hard thing. And let's all fight to stop hate in all its forms. I truly believe conversations like this can change the world around us. Stay tuned for the next conversation on October 26th.